0: Everybody, happy Saturday. We made it to the weekend, which means it's time for another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 149. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer. You can find the show wherever you can find your favorite out sports podcasts. Just search for out sports. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know the drill by now. 159 episodes in. Yes, one away from 150. Wow. Download, listen, rate, and subscribe. Have a big show for you this week. Uh, two big topics that I want to hit on, and then we'll get to our guest. Um, last week, dedicated some time to Tony Dungy and his long history of making anti-LGBTQ statements. ArSId Ziegler uh, wrote an excellent two-part series detailing Dungy's long history of opposing same-sex marriage, criticizing Jason Collins and Michael Sam after they publicly came out as gay, He embedded a couple of anti-LGBTQ tweets that Dungy has made over the last couple of years, uh, highlighting that Dungy and CBS host James Brown are set to speak in March at a uh, Christian evangelists rally, a very anti-gay Christian evangelists uh, event. Uh, Andrew Womack, who's equated being gay to murder and other really awful things. Uh, So there's a long history, Fellowship of Christian Athletes that Dungy uh, has supported, and they have anti-LGBTQ stances as well, so there's a lot with Tony Dungey, and man, oh man, it seems like it was quite prescient that uh, we dedicated a lot of space to him last week on Outsports, because Tony Dungey was the story coming out of the NFL wildcard weekend, or I'm sorry, super wildcard weekend. Uh, there was nothing super about his color commentary during Chargers-Jaguars, the Jaguars pulled off one of the most incredible upsets and most incredible comebacks, I should say, in NFL history, coming back from a 27-point deficit. Unbelievable, but Al Michaels and Dungey were completely lifeless in the booth. It was surprising to hear Al Michaels uh struggle so much and just appear so uninterested because he's one of the greatest broadcasters ever. Not so surprising to hear Tony Dungey uh bumble his way through the telecast and really, more accurately, mumble his way through the telecast. Uh, Dungey is very low energy. I think he's far too lo- a low energy to be an in-game analyst. And, you know, he did Patriots Vikings earlier this year, Thanksgiving night. I'm a Patriots guy, right about the team. So I watched that game and his anti-Patriots bias was showing. That's for damn sure. Um, he, he's he been an analyst for years on NBC's Football Night in America. I can't remember one instance in which he's provided any valuable insight. So Tony Dungey is a bad analyst and he was excoriated, rightfully so, for his drowsy and lifeless performance during Chargers-Jaguars, but then he added kerosene to the fire. Tony Dungy tweeted, this week, I would say, one of the most extreme and outlandish anti-LGBTQ statements anybody working for a major media company has maybe ever tweeted. I mean, I don't know. This is, and I don't think that's hyperbolic. It's what Tony Dungy tweeted on Wednesday in response to a Daily Wire story. For those who don't know, the Daily Wire is a conservative blog founded by Ben Shapiro. So that probably uh, tells you all you need to know about what they do. Um, they have a story about how a Minnesota state legislator uh, wants uh, grade schools from grades 4 through 12 to have uh, menstrual products in their bathrooms, whatever, we won't get into that debate here. We'll get into what Tony Dungy said in response to that article. This is what he said in response to that Daily Wire story. They posted it on Twitter. Dungy replies, quote, that's nothing. Some school districts are putting litter boxes in the school bathrooms for students who identify as cats. Very important to address every student's needs. <laughs> now, for those who are blissfully unaware of this insane far right-wing talking point, it's been circulating for months. It's been debunked by Dungy's own company, NBC News, um, as far as a myriad of other respectable outlets. Uh, th- th- this this, this belief that uh, some schools are, as Dungy said, putting litter boxes in the bathroom to satisfy students who are now identifying as cats, because of course you know how that goes, right? Transgender, non-binary, next thing you know, kids are going to say they're cats, Uh, and Dungy apparently believes this ridiculous talking point, it's like libs of TikTok, is now a uh, lead NFL analyst for NBC. As I said, this is undoubtedly the most extreme and outlandish statement Dungy has ever made that's anti-LGBTQ, and... Unlike his opposition to same-sex marriage, there's no hiding behind religion here. Tony Dungy can't say that, oh, he's just professing his religious or even political beliefs. He's professing hateful and conspiratorial garbage. What is he trying to say? What is he trying to say? Does Tony Dungy really think that kids are identifying as cats? And if he is, and if he does think that, then I would say... Is he mentally suited to handle this high-profile job, being a lead NFL analyst for NBC? Because if somebody really thinks that kids are identifying as cats in school districts are putting litter boxes in the bathroom to satisfy them, uh, then how then I mean, how can he be counted on to give any sort of uh, cogent analysis when that is where his mind is at? It's ridiculous. And Dungy, of course, deleted the tweet, which is what happens when the heat comes on. And boy, the heat came on. We were first to the story. Thank you very much. But within minutes, uh, Awful Announcing picked it up. Sports Illustrated picked it up. Uh, Dave Zirin of The Nation wrote a searing column about Dungy this week. Greg Doyle, longtime sports columnist for the Indy Star, and I would say by far the most recognizable sports columnist in Indianapolis, wrote a searing column about Dungy this week as well. So this tweet is getting a whole lot of attention. Um, we introduced the topic last week with our two-part series. We talked about it on the show. And now it's the heat is really ratcheting up against Tony Dungy. But as of now, as of this recording, no statement from him, no statement or explanation from NBC. Arson Ziegler has reached out to NBC numerous times. And look, somebody has to answer questions about this. This is insane. This is not about Tony Dungy, again, saying he's anti-same-sex marriage or his uh, relationship with a, a, a an anti-gay pastor or his involvement with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. This is, to- you know, it's not Tony Dungy. He also got some heat this week for speaking at the March for Life rally in Washington, D.C., the pro-life rally. Um, and, you know, I-, I don't know if I'm going to give him necessarily heat for that. I mean, you could say... Okay, he's at a March for Life rally. He's pro-life. I don't agree with it, but I don't know. Like, if you're pro-life, are you not allowed to work as an NFL analyst on NBC? I don't think that's really relevant to the job. So I'm not even giving Dungy... I'm not criticizing him even for that. But I am saying that if you think kids are identifying as litter boxes, as, as cats, excuse me, not litter boxes, as cats who are using litter boxes, then at least you deserve an at least you owe an explanation. What are you thinking? This is totally insane. So, as always, watch this space. We'll see what happens if anything happens with Tony Dungy. He's one of the most respected and highly revered figures in the NFL. He's been called and protected for years, but maybe just maybe we've hit a breaking point. At least we should have hit a breaking point. All right. So that's our Dungy update for the week. Stay tuned for what he tweets next week. Uh, In the meantime, the other big story we were covering this week, I wrote a column about it. Ivan Provorov is a defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers had their pride night this past Tuesday. Every player wore rainbow warm-up jerseys during the pregame skate, except Provorov. And afterwards, Provorov, who played in the game, defended his decision. He said, quote, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. He said his religion is Russian Orthodox. For those who are wondering, uh, John, Tortorella, John Tortorella, excuse me, uh, longtime NHL coach, longtime hard ass, quite frankly, uh, defended Ivan Provorov as well. Quote with Provi. he's being true to himself and his religion. It's worth mentioning that every other Flyers player skated during warmups and wore the rainbow jersey. Surely, surely, Ivan Provorov isn't the only religious person on the team. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. People hiding behind religion as an explanation or a cover for their anti-LGBTQ views. Um, So the aftermath only got worse. The Flyers released a weak statement saying, quote, the Flyers organization is committed to inclusivity and is proud to support the LGBTQ community. Many of our players are active in their support of local LGBTQ organizations, and we are proud to host our annual Pride Night again this year. The Flyers will continue to be strong advocates for inclusivity in the LGBTQ community. Um, And look, it's a shame that this overshadows the good work that the Flyers have done in the past with LGBTQ outreach. They've hosted Pride Nights for years. At least two of their players, James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton have spoken out about the need for a more inclusive NHL. But in this case, the Flyers completely whiffed. On Tuesday night, they were presented with a binary choice. Stand up for their LGBTQ fans or capitulate to one of their players' homophobia. Sadly, they chose the latter, as did the NHL. The NHL statement was even worse. The NHL released the statement uh, on Wednesday morning, defending Provorov, saying, quote, Hockey for Everyone is the umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming and inclusive environments for all fans. Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how, with league counsel and support. Players are free to decide which initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives on social and cultural issues. I hate that statement so much because it's the laziest argument in the book. Nobody is saying that Ivan Provorov isn't free to refuse to wear a pride jersey. The larger question is, how can a team truly express its support for LGBTQ people if it isn't willing to stand by them? And that's the larger point. Over the years at Outsports, we've pulled back on our coverage of Pride Nights for this exact reason. Some teams, yes, do a great job and receive full buy-in from players. The Dodgers and Giants come to mind, San Francisco Giants. But it's apparent that other teams want the kudos and not the and the ticket sales without putting in the work. And that's why I don't like to and frankly refuse to write about Pride Nights. Unless we're granted an interview with a player. Or at least know a strong effort was made. And I know that Sid Ziegler feels the same way. Uh, you know, cause at this point in 2023, if you're gonna have a Pride Night, it has to be mu it has to be more than pure symbolism and more than a one-night gimmick. It really does. You have to show that you actually stand, stand behind the LGBTQ community. And if you're not willing to do that as an organization, That's cool, but then don't have a pride night. You know, you need to ensure that there's clear buy-in. This goes back to the Tampa Bay Rays over the summer. Five Rays players refused to wear a rainbow patch on their jerseys. They got a lot of heat for that. But the blame also fell with Rays management because nobody is asking baseball players to wear rainbow patches on their jerseys. It's nice if it happens, but it's not not a necessity. The Rays should have ensured... That they had full buy-in from their players before going forward. Just as the Flyers should have ensured they had full buy-in from their players before going forward. And if Ivan Provorov said, I'm not wearing this, then they should have sat him. They should have taken some sort of action or, again, not held a Pride Night. Because having Ivan Provorov skate in the pregame warm-up, not wear the rainbow jersey, not support LGBTQ people on Pride Night... It's, it's insulting, quite frankly. And, you know, again, I, Pride Night is, not, is no longer enough. You know, I mean, front office people are great. They do a lot of good work. But players drive the conversation. You know, last year, I'm, I'm grateful. The Celtics hosted their Pride Night, and they uh, had me speak with Grant Williams, one of their forwards, who told me a great story about how he supports his LGBTQ friends and... They've opened his eyes to a lot of the injustices facing the community. And believe me, Grant Williams talking about that carries a whole lot more weight than quotes from a statement or a press release. And the Flyers are learning that the invoice is all, that the inverse is also true. They wanted to welcome their LGBTQ fans Tuesday. And instead, what's the big story? Ivan Provorov's homophobia. To lend more perspective about the Ivan Provorov incident how it's been covered in Philadelphia, and what this says about the Flyers organization overall. I speak with Madeline Campbell, who writes for our Broad Street Hockey blog, one of our sister sites at SB Nation. She wrote a great column about this Ivan Provorov story this week and how all sides uh, came up short. So Madeline is coming up on the other side of this short break. It's a Sports Kiki podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. All right, welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. I was saying the open, very excited to have an actual Flyers writer on the show here today to uh, lend some perspective to this Ivan Provorov debacle. Uh, Madeline Campbell is a writer for Broad Street Hockey. She's been there for several years and she's on the show now. Madeline, how are you?
1: Hanging in there. How's it going?
0: Hanging in there. I think that's the word uh, really for the last three, four years, to be honest with you, hanging in there. And you can even go back longer if we want to do that. But um, it's great to have you on. Thank you for the time. As I mentioned, Um, I thought you wrote a great column this week on Broad Street Hockey, one of our sister sites at Vox. Uh, The Flyers let Provorov stand his ground and everyone lost. Um, My question to you as somebody who covers this organization, um, you know, and obviously follows them day to day. What kind of lasting impact do you think? Well, first of all, what's the fallout been like in Philadelphia over the last couple of days? And secondly, what kind of lasting impact do you think this episode could have on the Flyers organization going forward?
1: Um, Well, firstly, unfortunately, it's just all been about Provorov at the moment, um, which has unfortunately overshadowed some of the great work that players like Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk have been doing with the community and trying to promote a more inclusive space. Um, And yeah, it's been probably predictably, we're seeing a lot of vitriol, both sides of your ideological spectrum have been pretty upset one way or the other. Um, And as far as the organization goes, um, they're in a tough spot. I mean, I get, they want to support their player. That's kind of their whole thing. Um, It, it does unfortunately cheapen any efforts that they're doing at this point to promote inclusivity. um, Like I talked about in the article it's hard to in the same breath support your player who is undermining those inclusivity efforts while saying that you wholeheartedly support them. Um, And yeah, I think even after the Provorov specific buzz dies down, that's going to be in the back of a lot of people's minds um, as they go forward. And we'll see where they go from there. And there's a whole hockey operations wrinkle to this too with chuck fletcher and his job uh well
0: what, what is it, it enlighten me because i do admit i'm not up on the day-to-day uh, comings and goings of the flyers
1: yeah so the team's been not very good yes. this year um so purely for that reason he's kind of been on the hot seat um and we got some follow-up clarification on the timeline of Provorov deciding not to participate in warm-ups in the Pride Night Jersey, um, wherein it sounds like hockey operations, that side knew that this was coming for several days at least and did not inform the ownership business operations side, who probably would have tried to steer this in a different direction. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, So not a great move, I would say. For someone wow. who's trying to hold on to their job, which is already in a little bit of a tenuous spot to begin with, so yeah. there's just so many layers to this.
0: Yeah, I, that's an, I didn't, I didn't know that. So why would the hockey operations department hide this from the business department? What, what would there be to gain for Chuck Fletcher? Honestly,
1: it seems like they genuinely just thought that this was the right course of action to let Provorov follow you know his beliefs and stick to his guns with what his religion would have him do here in this situation um to them it seems like it would have been worse to either force him to wear the jersey put a right. game jersey on for warm-ups or not yeah. play him in the game because he sat out um personally i think that is the wrong <laughs> decision but um yeah i I think they just, like I said, thought that that was the right call and didn't somehow didn't feel the need to fill in the rest of the organization on what that call was for them.
0: Well, someone it covers sports for a living as well, I think that's indicative of uh, a, a breakdown in communication overall, probably right between the hockey operations department and the business operations. It doesn't seem like they're really acting hand in hand. If something like this, which creates this amount of negative publicity, could Go without anybody saying anything until it happens, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've been seeing, I think, smaller examples of that, hearing whispers about it throughout the course of the season. But this is a really clear example, I think, of how fraught the relationship
0: is at the moment. Definitely. And, you know, and you say in the article, too, and look, like the point that I wrote in my piece for Outsports and that we talk about a lot is, you know, the last few years, we've really scaled back our coverage of Pride nights unless a team grants us an interview with a player, or at least we know a very strong effort was made. And, you know, you can tell when they're just kind of, you know, swinging you around or when they've actually made an effort to get an interview, because like at this point in 2023, a pride night is not enough if it's just going to be symbolic and and an empty gesture. And it actually is kind of insulting. And, you know, it goes back to what the Rays did, the Tampa Bay Rays this past summer, where five of their players didn't want to wear the rainbow patch on their jersey for their pride night. And we were saying like, you know, nobody expects players to wear rainbow patches during pride night. If they want to, that's great. But you have to make sure there's buy-in. And without larger buy-in, the whole gesture is meaningless. And it's like, you want the pride night because you want the kudos and you want the ticket sales, but you're not willing to actually put in the work. And I think the Flyers are most guilty of that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like, I've been thinking a lot about it. And as much as I'm disappointed in Ivan Provorov's personal stance, I'm not going to be able to change his mind Like about that. I think more blame, if you will, falls on the organization for not handling this well and coming out with a pretty flat gesture at the end of the day.
0: Totally flat and a terrible statement. John Tortorella had an awful statement as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and... <sighs> That's just a whole thing. Like I, I really get the sense with him that he is just hardwired to defend his players no matter what. Um, And (laughs) in this case, it just means saying all the wrong things, big picture wise. Um, That's not to defend him again, because I was pretty upset by his comments, but um, I think that's just another wrinkle of this. Like, the hockey men will go out of their way at the end of the day, just to protect their own.
0: Yeah, most definitely. But it goes back to what we were saying earlier, where this is really a breakdown, an organizational breakdown, because this could have been avoided. It could have been handled much better. Um, And instead we have this big mess because the flyers were put on a spot. Now, you know, I think they had a choice the other night, either stand up for their LGBTQ fans. And you say in your piece, sports have not always been a welcoming place, hockey in particular for LGBTQ people, um, so they had a choice, stand up for their gay fans or uh capitulate to one of their players' homophobia and they chose the latter here. And I think that that's a binary choice and the Flyers made it and they're going to have to live with that. And I also think the NHL statement was even worse. You know, the NHL comes out with, you know, every player has a right to promote whichever cause they want. And to me, that's the laziest argument in the book. Nobody's saying that Ivan Provorov doesn't have a right to not wear a rainbow jersey. But as you said in your column, that doesn't mean that he has a right to be free of discipline. You can be disciplined for missing an all-star game. And few things I think are more meaningless in sports than all-star games. So, right? I mean, that's the laziest argument in the book to me. And I'm shocked the NHL actually put that in their statement.
1: Yeah. And granted, I think there is a sort of gray area legality wise with if he's using a religious defense, like, can they sit him? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't either. It, it doesn't make it feel any better.
0: Like, no, no. What kind of player is Ivan Provorov? By the way,
1: um, he he's had a down couple of years, um, and it seems like he wants he wants out of Philly. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were hearing that his agent was in town to talk to Chuck Fletcher about potentially facilitating a trade. Um, Word on the street is he is not super liked in that locker room amongst Hmm. his teammates. And that has been the case for a little bit now. Um, So it's just like unfortunate things piling up on top of each other here.
0: And And my question to you as well, after reading your piece, Madeline, is why do you care about this issue as a non-LGBTQ person?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, on a personal level, uh, I have family members, one of my best friends or gay, um, but also like it's a human rights issue, largely. Um, and it just kind of feels right, but it, it is a you know, representation and making a hockey more, making hockey a more inclusive space, there we go, for all manner of fans um, is still a cause that's quite dear to me.
0: Yeah, and on that note, that's a great uh, lead into my next question for you. Uh, we know the slogan, hockey is for everyone. Clearly it is not for everyone. Um, How far away is the NHL, you think, from living up to that slogan?
1: Um, I I think it's been made abundantly clear at this point. Uh, It's pretty far off, and it seems like at least the Flyers here had a chance to take a little bit of a step forward, and they just completely bungled that. So um, unfortunately, it seems like the league, even if in some areas, they're trying. They just cannot get out of their own way. And it's a pretty larger or a much larger systemic issue, it seems like. So um, it's going to be a while. It's going to take some work. Um, and that's a real bummer.
0: What are some things that you think the NHL can do to address these issues, not just with LGBTQ, but in general, making it a more inclusive place? I you know there's been issues with race as well over the last few years. So, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I would like to see them taking a harder stance on issues when they happen it seems like they're in some way trying to please both sides when probably both sides don't deserve equal pleasing Um, but i think i would also like to see a more grassroots approach get them more involved with um their individual communities in their cities Um, because i think that's a bit more tangible than you know putting up a big banner at your game on one night out of the year. So I think starting smaller, more tangibly, like I said,
0: definitely more yeah. awake.
1: If you ask me.
0: Yeah. Doing actions instead of just putting up a banner. I like yeah. it. Uh, Madeline Campbell, you can read her broad street hockey, the flyers with Provo stand is ground and everyone lost. Thanks for your time, Madeline. How can the people find you? Uh, if They want to follow you on Twitter.
1: Um, I am at Madeline Campbell. No E Campbell because my name apparently is too long for <laughs> their at situation.
0: I'll have, to, I'll have to hit up my man Elon and we'll get him to fix that for you. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, um, critical importance.
0: Yeah. Madeline, thanks for the time. Thank you. All right, everybody. So thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My pleasure to speak with you each and every Saturday. If you want to keep in touch with me, the best way to do that is via Twitter. My handle is at AlexStreamer1. That, again, is at AlexStreamer1. Another thanks to Madeline Campbell for taking the time and coming on the show. Woo! High energy show this week. But we had, we had a lot of, we had some very, uh, very upsetting topics, I will say. So we'll be back next week, maybe with something better to talk about. We'll see where the news cycle takes us. Uh, talk to you next week. Thank you, as always, for listening.